With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Joshua, chapter 6. If you're expecting Acts chapter 13, we'll get you in a couple of weeks. We'll be back there. But just wanted to take a very brief pause in our study of Acts. And go to the Old Testament. Joshua chapter 6. If you were here a few Wednesday nights ago, we talked about uh, the end of chapter 5, first part of chapter 6, and it's incredible. Joshua is an incredible military leader. You want to study military battles, generals, Joshua is the place to be. Incredible general and leader, military strategist. Obviously, he got his strategies from the Lord, but incredible story. Joshua chapter 6. Today we're going to look at verses 1 through 20, a very famous passage that many of you I'm sure know. And if you don't, you'll learn something new today. The title of the message this morning is Winning Through Worship. Winning Through Worship. Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 20. Once you're there, if you'd stand and we will read the Bible together. Joshua chapter 6. Verse 1. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. So the city was on lockdown. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city with the men of war going around once. Thus you shall do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and all the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Go forward, march around the city and let the armed men pass on before the ark of the Lord. And just as Joshua had commanded the people, when the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward blowing the trumpets with the ark of the covenant of the Lord following them. The armed men were walking before the priest who were blowing the trumpets, and the rear guard was walking after the ark while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard, neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. So he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city going about it once. And when they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord and the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns 
before the ark of the Lord walked on and blew trumpets continually and the armed men were walking before them and the rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord while the trumpets blew continually and the second day they marched around the city once and returned into the camp so they did this for six days on the seventh day they rose early at dawn and marched around the city in the same manner seven times it was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times and at the seventh time when the priest had blown the trumpets Joshua said to the people shout for the Lord has given you the city and the city and all that is in it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction and only Rahab the prostitute and all with her and her house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent but you keep yourselves from these things devoted to destruction lest when you have devoted them you take any devoted things and make them into the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it but all the silver and all the gold and every vessel and bronze and iron are holy to the Lord they shall go into the treasury for the Lord so the people shouted and the trumpets were blown as soon as the people heard the shout of the trumpet the people shouted a great shout and the wall fell down flat so they went up into the city every man straight before him and they captured the city then they devoted they devoted all to the city to destruction both men and women young and old oxen sheep donkeys with the edge of the sword let's pray our father we thank you for your word Holy Spirit we ask that you would open up our hearts and spirits and eyes today to receive your word with joy this wouldn't just be a nice message and a nice sermon, but that it would be implanted into our heart, that it would produce fruit that is honoring to you. That we wouldn't just study an ancient text, but the living word of Almighty God, the Creator. That we wouldn't just go through it, but that your word would go through us. Leave us changed, that we would draw closer to you and more in love with you. We give this service to you. Lord, I ask that you would anoint these lips of clay and flesh, that these would be your words and not mine. We love you and we thank you. We give this service to you, and we're nothing without you. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Very famous passage, Joshua and Jericho. And as the children's story goes, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho. We won't sing it today. You can sing it later. After this battle, what is interesting, if you look very quickly at verse 26, Joshua laid an oath on them at that time saying cursed before the Lord be the man who rises up and rebuilds this city Jericho they've just destroyed the city just massively massacred everything inside had total complete 100% victory everything is slaughtered at the end of the battle Joshua says cursed be anyone who tries to rebuild Jericho that curse was was fulfilled for several centuries until uh, the late uh, Bronze Age in the in the uh, BC 1200s for centuries the city lay abandoned Jericho is the oldest city known in the world oldest city in the world it's also the lowest city as far as geography it's right on the northern tip north eastern tip of the Dead Sea I've been to Jericho it's a it's a Palestinian city today uh, you want to talk about casinos Jericho has casinos I don't know what the correlation is but there's casinos everywhere but you drive into this Palestinian city and uh, a lot of casinos and what's amazing and we're gonna look at a picture in a few moments but 
there's modern Jericho, which is literally an oasis in the middle of a desert. There's, there's the Dead Sea, it's desert, it's hot, it's dry, no water for miles around. And then all of a sudden you come to this green spot on the map that is the modern city of Jericho. But in the middle of the modern city of Jericho lays the old city of Jericho. The archaeological ruins of the city are still preserved. Archaeologists since the 1900s have been excavating there and, and finding numerous things. But it's amazing that you have the original city that we just read about thousands and thousands of years ago and the modern cities built up around it. And when you go to Jericho, they have a welcoming sign that says, Welcome to Jericho, oldest and lowest city in the world. thought that was interesting. But I have a few pictures that we want you to look at about Jericho to help you kind of get an understanding of, of the city. This is what an artist's rendering of the old city looked like. It wasn't a square fort. It was kind of an oval-shaped fort. We often think that Jericho had one, you know, had one wall. No, Jericho had two walls. I mean, it was a heavily fortified area, extremely well fortified, because you have the lower wall and then you have an upper wall. The walls are about five to six feet thick. Some uh, historians say that they had chariot races on top of the wall. Amazingly fortified city. So that's, that's uh, an artist's rendering. What's the next picture we have of, of Jericho? Here's again an idea that this lower wall is between 12 to 15 feet high and then above it, 46 feet high from, from the lower level, 46 feet high is the second wall. Six feet thick. It's between 20 to 26 feet high. Listen, when you read Joshua chapter 6 and you read about what happens, this is huge. This is an amazing feat of what God did in this city. He didn't just make the walls fall down flat. Oh, there were big walls around the city. No, we don't maybe understand the magnitude of the city and the fortification of Jericho. You have four or five feet thick walls on the lower level that are 15 feet high. Then on the upper level, they're about 25 feet high and they're six feet thick again. I mean, huge, almost impossible to conquer this city. What's the next slide that we have? Here's another artist's rendering of it, this oval shape that they would have marched around every day, once a day, for six days in a row. On the seventh day, they march around it seven times and at the end of that time, the priests blow the trumpet, the people shout, the walls fall down, not just the lower, but the lower and the upper walls fall down flat like a pancake, and the people come in and overtake the city and have victory. And this is an amazing, amazing account of what took place. And when you think about it as well, if you're an inhabitant of Jericho, and I know I've heard all kinds of sermons on this passage, and I'm sure maybe you have as well, but I want you to think about if you're living in the city of Jericho and this army who you have never heard of, never heard of these people before, they have no military battle experience. I mean, real battle experience. They don't really have a homeland. All you heard is rumors that they were enslaved in Egypt. They've been wandering in a desert for a while and now they're coming in to take over your city. I mean, it's laughable if you're an inhabitant of Jericho. They believe in one God, which was so foreign in that day. Every civilization, ancient civilization, believed in multiple gods. So you have this foreign army that you've never heard of, um, that are a bunch of uh, poor wanderers in the desert, 
who worship one God. And think about this. They come to your city and they march around the city one time every day for six days. I don't think that they were mocking the people of Israel. Maybe some of them were. I'm sure some of them were making fun of them. That What kind of battle plan do you have? I think, if anything, this is perhaps some psychological warfare. If you live in a city that's walled as well as that is, and an army comes, and instead of the army directly attacking you, they circle your city one time, and while they're circling the city, everybody is dead quiet. All you can hear is the shuffle of feet and the priest blowing this trumpet, continually blowing the trumpet. This is a big city. It takes a while. It takes several hours to walk around it with, with between 500,000 and a million people walking around it. I mean, I think I would be freaking out if I was in Jericho. I would be panicking because I'm looking down my fortified city and all they're doing is just walking around it. I wouldn't be laughing at them. I would be scared to death. What are they planning on doing? This is weird. We've never seen anything like this before. And they just march. They don't do anything. They don't talk. They don't fight. They blow trumpets and they march. What are they up to? On the seventh day, you wake up that morning and they march around it, not just once, but seven times. You might be making fun of them. I wouldn't. I would be scared to death. What are these people planning on doing? Amazing psychological warfare, I think. We want to look at winning through worship today. Two really simple things, but the first is praise precedes God's presence. Praise precedes God's presence. Before we go on, you can, you can see, well, we have some other pictures of, of what the modern city of the ruins of Jericho look like and you can see the outline there so just wanted to quickly mention that but praise precedes God's presence I want you to very quickly look back at verses 9 and 10 the armed men were walking before the priest who were blowing the trumpets and the rear guard was walking after the ark while the trumpets blew continually but Joshua commanded the people you shall not shout or make your voice heard. Neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you will shout. I mean, when you read this passage, and, and we don't have time this morning, but I encourage you this afternoon, study it. Look at how many times this passage, just in these 20 verses, it repeats itself. Various words are repeated numerous times. God is trying to convey the idea to the Israel people, which is trying to convey the idea to us today. That's one of them. That's the first thing that we see. God is very strict. He's very black and white. He's very straightforward. Here's exactly how I want you to do it, Joshua. I want you to gather the people, and I want you to have the priests, seven priests, and I want them to have seven trumpets, and they're going to blow continually. They're not going to cease. They're not going to take a break. They're not going to stop. But every day, as they're walking along this city, and it's a huge city, as they're walking around the city, they're going to blow continually as they're walking. Behind them, is going to be the ark of God. The, the presence of God, we believe, was, was dwelling on the ark. So, you have, and then after the ark, was the military, was the fighters. And, and it's very clear about that. So, what led the presence of God? God didn't lead the way. Worship led the way. When you have victory, when you have struggle, when you have mountains and valleys in your life, you know what should lead the way if you want God to give victory, if you want God to guide you, if you want God's blessing? Worship. 
Why do we as a church have every sixth Sunday as a day of worship and prayer? Worship has nothing to do with who's leading worship. We appreciate Steve did a great job today. Worship has nothing to do with the songs that we sing. Worship has everything to do with outwardly expressing what God has done on the inside of my life. Worship, and I said this to someone this morning, is on a Sunday morning, it's the physical display of what God's been doing in your life and how you've been loving on Him throughout the whole week. For six days, all week long, you've been saying, God, thank you for what you've done. God, I love you. God, you're holy. God, if it wasn't for you, I would be lost. God, if it wasn't for you, I'd be in a coffin somewhere. God, if it wasn't for you, I'd be broke. God, if it wasn't for you, I'd be divorced. God, if it wasn't for you, I'd be homeless. God, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have a job. You've been doing that all week long. When you get together here on a Sunday morning, it should look every bit of what Joshua chapter 6 says. It should look every bit that we all gather together and we shout with a shout of praise. We shout with a shout of thanksgiving. We worship God. We exalt Him because we gather together individually. You've been worshiping all week long. Individually, privately in your home or in your car or with your family. You've been saying, God, thank you for what you've done. God, you're so amazing. I couldn't do it without you. And then Sunday morning, you, you just, you can't keep it inside anymore and, and you don't even remember what we're singing about. You don't even remember who's sitting next to you. You don't even remember what's going to happen this afternoon. All you can do is say, God, thank you. God, if it wasn't for you, it's, it's over. God, if it wasn't for you, I'm a loser and I've lost. But no, God, you're a God of victory. You're a God that gives me victory. And when this person over here does it, and this person over here does it, and this person over here does it, guess what? It's a shout of praise. It is a roar that literally rumbles the rafters in this place. When I worship, I want the angels in heaven, I've said this before, to be jealous of my worship. Because, well, I don't know that that's theologically correct. To be honest, I don't really care because that's just how I believe. I want the angels to say, man, that guy out-worshipped us today. Here we are in God's literal presence in his throne room, worshiping him with all that we have. We were created for one purpose as angels, to worship God, and this guy down here outdid us today. That's what I want, not just on Sunday, but every day of my life. Here's the reason why. I have something to worship him for. And the angels, while they do, the angels weren't saved from hell. The angels weren't saved from sin. The angels weren't saved from depression and despair and hopelessness and a failed marriage. The angels weren't saved from anything. But I have been. I was and so have you. You should out-worship these angels every single day of your life. Every day of your life should be a Jericho shout. My church growing up, Whenever the Holy Spirit would move, I guess that's what you would say, they used to do this thing called the Jericho March. We don't hear about them too often anymore. But people would get excited. They'd be worshiping God, and just spontaneously, they would start off almost single file, just walking around the building, running around the building, shouting and singing. I mean, it was an amazing sight. And I mean, you really felt like walls are about to fall down because the worship is exploding this place. I want my worship, not only the angels to be jealous, but I want the doorways in heaven to shake. I want the drywall in heaven, if there is that thing in there, to shake. I want it to, to bounce off the walls in heaven. I want God to say, listen, guys, look at what this guy's doing. Angels, that's how I want you to worship. That should be your heart as well. If God didn't save you from anything, then you have every right to sit there and be quiet in worship. 
If God never has healed you, if God never set you free, if God didn't save you from hell and sin, then absolutely sit there and be quiet. But if he did, how dare you be quiet? How dare you stay quiet? I would even say shame on you for being quiet. Praise precedes God's presence. I tried really hard to find a picture or an artist's rendering of what this looked like and I, the best I could find uh, I have but I want you to see this in your mind seven priests blowing seven trumpets right behind them is God's presence what is leading the way what is leading the battle what is leading the fight praise you understand why God did this praise is first his presence comes next, and the military comes third. There is an order to victory in your life. You may be wondering, well, I, here I am, I've done all the right things, and I'm believing, and I have faith, and all, and all that's good. But if you don't have praise leading the way, well, I don't feel like praising today. I bet that there were some Israelites who said, I don't feel like marching today. But they marched anyway because God told them to. If victory is really important to you, you'll get up and march no matter what you feel like. Worship isn't based on feeling. It's based on what he has done and what he has promised to do in your life. If he's promised you victory, no matter how you feel, you get up and you march and you worship. Priests blowing the trumpets first. Praise led the way and it led the army. The only sound, think about it, if you're there, the only sound you can hear, you get up that day, you get your sandals on, and you're marching. And you're walking around the city. And as you're walking around the city, just be completely real. We know that God, God said he's going to give us victory, but boy, the more I march, the more I walk, the, more these, the higher these walls are getting. You know, the first day they were like 10 feet. Now today it seems like they're 15 feet, and tomorrow they're going to be 20 feet. They just seem like every day the problem gets bigger and bigger. The enemy gets bigger and bigger, and my hope and my faith seems to be getting smaller and smaller. That's true, isn't it, of our lives? That at times we look at the problem, we look at the Jericho of our life, and the Jericho gets bigger and bigger every day, and our faith gets smaller and smaller. No, 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 no. Instead, as we're marching, the walls are high. There's not just one level, there's two levels, and they're, they're almost 50 feet high. They're, they're six feet thick, and I got people making fun of us as we march, and I don't feel like marching today. I'm not really sure how this is all going to go, but I know that God's faithful. I know that God promised victory for us, and I believe in that no matter how I feel on the inside. God's word is true, and God has never lied. In the last 40 years, watching my parents march in a desert in circles, God was faithful. God never let us grow hungry the clothes on our back are still good today God's faithful and if God said it I believe it and that's it so instead of marching and thinking the walls are getting bigger the enemy is bigger the problem is bigger no I'm marching and saying I've got faith my God is bigger God said victory I believe it and I will not quit until total victory and until God is honored in my life praise precedes God's presence the only sound you've heard for the last six days is trumpets. That's the only sound. I mean, think about what that would do to you. You're marching, and you, you're, you're tempted. Maybe the person next to you is, you know, whispering, even though they're not supposed to be talking, but they're whispering, man, these walls are big. I don't know if we can do it. I don't know if God can do this. But all you hear 
there's trumpets blasting. And what is that? They're not just random noise. It's worship. It's praise. That's what's going on. He didn't just say blow and make random noise. No. Make worship. Worship proceeds. Then comes God's presence. Then comes the victory. That's the whole message in a nutshell, by the way, today. First, we're worshiping. We're praising God. All you can hear for six days in a row is worship. Think about this. I've challenged you to do this before. Some of you have done it. But I want you to think about all this week, for six days, until you come back here next Sunday, every day this week, at least for one hour, it probably took them longer than that to march around the city, but at least for one hour, listen to nothing but worship music. Not contemporary Christian, although that's fine. Not sports talk radio, talking to myself on that one. No, worship music. Listen to nothing but worship for one hour. And as you're doing that, you're not just listening you're worshiping. Sometimes on Sunday morning, I wonder how many of us engage God in worship and how many of us just listen to whatever Matt or Steve or whoever is singing and playing. I wonder how many of us take the extra step to say, I may not feel like it today. I had a bad day yesterday. I had a bad week this week. The problem seems to get, be getting bigger. But nonetheless, I'm going to push through in my praise and in my worship because God said I'm going to have victory. God said that no weapon formed against me would prosper. God said that he would bless and guide my path. And I believe it. And I'm not going to let the enemy or anybody else tell me any different. I'm not going to let my emotions dictate my praise. I can't sit here and be quiet. I can't sit here and say, well, I didn't like that song. We know that song, they were, they were off a couple of keys in that song. Who cares? I could care less. If we had a CD player up here singing, you know, Mary Had a Little Lamb, I would worship because I'm thinking, God, thank you for what you did this week. You say, well, this week was just a normal average week. Listen, if you're saved, there's no such thing as a normal average week because you're saved from hell. You're saved from sin. You're saved from destruction. You think about what he has done and you can't help but throw your hands up and give praise and give worship to God. Praise precedes God's presence. All they heard for six days, no talking, no distractions. I think that's really one of the reasons why God said no talking, no distractions. Well, we would love to argue about, uh, you know, this or that. We would love to discuss why this is, no, 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 no distractions. Guys, for one week, I just want you to worship. I want you to march and I want you to worship for one week. No talking. I personally believe, although the text doesn't say that, so we must be careful. I believe that this applied not just while they were marching. I believe it applied 24-7 throughout the entire week. Don't talk. When you're in your tent at night, don't talk. Think about God. Think about that trumpet blasting that should be ringing in your ears. Think about the victory that God's promised you just a few days away. Worship brings God's presence. I want to worship on a Sunday so much that God says, that's it. I can't help but get down there. Because the Bible says God inhabits the praise. God literally lives in and dwells in, not a church building brick and mortar. No, God literally lives and dwells in your worship, my worship, the worship of his people, this church. So you want to experience God on a Sunday? Are you worshiping throughout the week? If I could just say lovingly, I wonder, 
that, that some of us, that when we come on a Sunday, this is for any Christian, and, and, and no matter what the song that they're singing or what's going on, we just can't seem to get into worship for whatever reason, and, and uh, we just kind of sit there like a bump on a log, and we look, and, and we think, well, that's nice, or well, I didn't like that. You know what that would tell me as a, as a pastor? That what you do on Sunday is a reflection of what you've been doing all week long. And if all week long, if on Sunday this is what we see, that tells me all week long this is what you've been doing. But on Sunday, when you are, God, thank you. God, you are awesome. Oh man, I can't do it without you. Holy Spirit, thank you for giving me the, the fire and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving me this spiritual gift. Thank you for what you've done in my life. When we see that on a Sunday, people exploding in worship, you know what that tells us? You've been doing that all week long. Well, you know, we have these worship Sundays. It's really hard to stand and worship for a while. Hey, if you've got medical things, here's what I'd say. Come forward, we'll pray for you, and you won't have to sit. You know, you can stand and worship. That's even more reason to worship. Well, I'm not used to, to worshiping for an hour long. They might not have been used to marching for an hour long, but they did it because God told them to. God said, you want victory? You've got to march. You've got to worship. You want victory in your life for whatever the battle is, whatever Satan has been attacking you on a regular basis? God is telling you today, worship. Worship leads the way to victory. Worship leads the way to his presence. Sometimes we wait for victory before we praise, but instead praise before the victory. I learned this lesson very young, and I've never forgotten, and I always do it. When I'm praying about something, and, and some of you know that when you come forward for prayer on a Sunday morning, I don't just say, God, we really hope that you do this. God, if you could do this, that would be great. If you're not too busy, and I think I have enough faith, but I'm not sure. No, God, I thank you for healing so-and-so. And I know that their test isn't until Tuesday, but God, I believe you're going to heal them right now. I believe that before they walk out of this door today, they are healed and made whole in the name of Jesus Christ because only in the name of Jesus is there healing. And you're here today to provide healing. I believe that you're going to restore this marriage. I believe that you're going to set this person free, that you're going to deliver them. Pray that every week. Not just, I hope you do it. Well, hey, if it works out, come back and we'll talk about it. No. Before you even go to the doctor, before you even go to the lawyer, before you even go to the bank, before you even go to the job interview, you give thanksgiving and praise. God, thank you for victory. God, thank you for answering my prayer, hearing me when I pray. God, thank you for what you've done in my life. You thank God in advance for what he's going to do. That's what I believe. Six days of worship. Six days to worship and say, God, thank you for giving us this city. God, thank you for giving us victory. Thank you, God, for destroying Jericho and giving us victory. Six days. They praised, they learned to praise God before victory was ever won. Why is that important? Because this is the first battle they ever faced before they were to take over and conquer Canaan or the promised land. There will be many, many battles to come. I believe God is trying to teach them, you guys need to learn to give praise and thanksgiving before the first arrow is even shot. Before you even get up, before you even have the battle plans, here's the number one battle plan, the number one strategy for victory is praise, is worship. Praise should lead the way. Let me say this. When your mouth is full of praise, it can't be full of gossip or negative talk. When your mouth is full of praise, you see that all the time. David in the, in the Old Testament and in, in, in Psalms says that continually. Let our mouth, let my mouth be filled with praise literally let my heart let my mind let my spirit let my actions let everything that I do my mouth be full of praise 
Because when it's full of praise, it can't be full of gossip. It can't be full of negative talk. And when I am only tuned in to hearing the worship, I'm tuning out what my neighbor is saying. I'm tuning out the negative talk of those around me. When I'm tuned in only to hearing the trumpet blast, when I'm tuned in only to giving God praise for what He's done in my life and praise for what I believe He's about to do in my life, I can't hear my neighbor telling me, oh, you know, you really need to have a plan B. What if it doesn't work out? Well, you know, the doctor said this. I think we should think about that. When your mouth is full of praise, it can't be full of gossip or negative talk. I don't think Israel was complaining. Maybe some of them were. I think they were focused on praise, obeying what God told them to do, faith, and prayer. This week, six days, one hour, that's your challenge today. That's your homework assignment. When you leave, this week, one hour, that's young, old, everybody. One hour, every day, you're going to be quiet. You're going to turn out the negativity. You're going to turn off the noise. It's just going to be worship. You're going to be obeying God. You're going to be praying. You're going to be worshiping. You're going to be listening. Praise, obedience, faith, and prayer. Praise precedes God's presence. Secondly, God's presence precedes victory. Again, look at just how God had the army set up. You've got the priest with praise first. You've got the ark, which is literally God's presence, second. Then you've got the army, third. That's what scripture says. Read this passage again several times and you'll see that. There's praise, presence, and victory. God's presence precedes victory. God is, and, and, if, and again, we can't see this because there's no accurate picture, but if you were to, to imagine in your mind this huge army and literally in the middle of the army there's God's presence God wasn't leading the army and God wasn't in the back in the rear of the army God's in the middle there's praise first God's presence and then there's the power and victory God's in the middle and verse 11 very quickly so he caused the ark of the Lord look at this to circle the city going about at once. I think Josh was trying to say the ark, again, God's presence circled the city. Listen, when you worship, when you praise, what's really taking place this week when you spend one hour in worship and praise, you know what's really happening? Through your worship and through your praise, God's presence is circling the Jericho in your life. Through the worship and praise that you give God, and for some of you, it's weak. And that's why you've never had victory, just to be honest. That's why you're still struggling over that thing that you should have had victory over for years ago or months ago, but you're still fighting it because you're giving a little bit of praise. That little bit of praise can't make it halfway across the city of Jericho in your life. But for those of us who give thunderous praise to God every day, thunderous worship, thunderous thanksgiving, thunderous prayer, Every day when we do that, the presence of God circles the Jericho in your life and in my life. Whether it's depression, whether it's discouragement, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a job, whether it's your finances, whatever it is, whether it's your kids, when you begin to worship, God's presence is circling the Jericho of your life. That's why worship is so critical. And if I could get across one thing today, worship has very, very, very little to do with music and singing. That's part of it. 
Worship is an attitude. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is an outward expression of the inward power of God in your life. The more you worship, the more the presence of God circles the Jericho in your life. They didn't win this battle through normal military combat or conquest, but strictly through God's presence. You talk about, well, nothing's impossible for God, and that's true, but this battle was literally impossible for Israel on their own. Jericho had such fortifications of their city, it was literally impossible for any military, no matter how big. Even the Roman army, decades and centuries later, couldn't have conquered Jericho. It was impenetrable. Israel on their own couldn't do it. Some of you have been trying to fight the Jericho of your life on your own. You've been trying to win the battle on your own, and you get knocked down every time. You lose every time, and you get discouraged, and you want to quit, and you want to give up, and you want to quit going to church because other people are telling you to do that. No. They didn't win through normal military combat, but strictly through God's presence. God is saying, I'm not in the front, I'm not in the back, I'm in the middle, I'm over all of it. In other words, God says, I'm not here and you're way back here and I'm not way back here and you're up there on your own. I'm in the middle, in other words, I consume it all. From beginning to end, this is my army. From beginning to end, God, this is your victory. From beginning to end, God, this is your success and this is your worship that I give to you. This is your Jericho, not mine. That's why we see, we see two different times here in chapter 6 that it said total destruction for the Lord. In other words, it was their victory, but it was God's praise. God's presence brings victory. And in verse 2, God says, before they even fight, before God even gives them instructions on how to fight the battle, God says, Joshua, you've already won. I'm going to let you win Jericho. And then he tells them how he's going to go about doing it. But notice this. And I think there's been some warped theology in Christianity and, and, and in churches at times. But there's almost a theology that says, you know, just sit back and let God do it. And that's true. That happens. But I think if we're not careful, we can be very guilty of almost letting ourselves off the hook. Well, you know, I prayed and uh, I hoped everything worked out. I just, I'm just going to let God take care of it, you know. Joshua didn't do that. God didn't tell Joshua to do that. Look at this very carefully. And you see this theme repeated, I think, more in Scripture than anything else. God says, I'm going to give you a victory, but you're going to be a part of it. I'm going to give you a victory, but you're not just going to sit here and I'm going to do all the work. I want you to be a part of it. I want to use you bringing about the victory in this campaign. I am thankful, by the way, that God wants to use me in bringing victory in my life. I don't know that I'd really want to serve a God that says, you just sit there on a nice beach chair somewhere and join the ocean. I'll just fight everything for you and take care of it. Some of you might think, well, that would be pretty nice. And then at times God does do that. More often than not, God says, I will give you victory. But you need to learn to praise through it. You need to learn to praise when you're not ready. And you need to learn that victory comes through prayer, through praise, and through my worship, my presence. God will give us victory, but he wants us to participate in the victory. That's why Paul says in Corinthians, by the way, that we are in the triumphal procession of Christ. In other words, that we participate in victory with Jesus. We're not just conquered. No, we participate. We get to join in the victory of Jesus. And I'm thankful for that. 
your victory for his glory. As I end today, what's the Jericho of your life? What's the Jericho? I want you to think about it. What is the, the biggest, ugliest monster in your life? The thing that you believe truly is impossible. The thing that other people have told you, it'll never happen. Give up. Just quit. That's what, if you talk to any other nation, that's exactly what they would have said about Jericho to Israel. What's the thing that as soon as you get near it in your life, you become intimidated because the walls are too high? What's the thing in your life that you want to move forward, you want to have victory over, but every time you get close to it, you get scared, you get intimidated, and you run away? The walls are too big. God, I know you're big, but God, really, this is just, we'll move on and I'll, I'll tackle something else. What seems insurmountable and impossible? And let me ask you, lovingly as a pastor, have you been talking about it instead of praising God through it? Have you been talking about how big the Jericho of your life is instead of praising God through it? I think there's a lot of Christians that are that way. A lot of people, oh, I want to have victory. Oh, I want this to happen, but man, it's so big. I don't know. You're talking about it. And what you're doing is trying to excuse yourself from not having to fight that battle. What you're doing is making excuses for reasons why God can't do it or maybe why you don't really want to have victory over it. Instead, throw your hands up, throw your head back and get that mouth full of praise because listen, maybe you don't have a shofar trumpet like they have, but you've got a mouth that can outshout any uh, ram's horn, any shofar that you can name. Your mouth of praise should be so loud. The neighbors think about calling the cops. I'm serious, man. Think about that. What is going on in their house? They're marching around Jericho of their life. That's what's going on. Well, that doesn't make sense to me. Well, there's a lot of people in Jericho that probably said, what you're doing doesn't make sense to us. Till the walls fell down. Have you been talking about it instead of praising God through it? Have you circled your Jericho with God's presence through worship? Have you done that? Have you circled the Jericho of your life? And I don't mean physically, I mean spiritually. How do you do that? Through praise, through prayer, through worship. The Jericho in your life that seems impossible. Have you been circling that with worship and praise and every day as you spend this hour this coming week in praise and in worship and next Sunday, listen, when you come here, it better sound like day seven of the Jericho march. When you come here next Sunday morning at 1045, I don't know what they're going to sing. I don't care what they're going to sing. I don't care if they sing two songs, three songs, hymns, modern songs. I don't care. I don't care if I know the words, don't know the words because all week long, I have been shouting victory over the Jericho in my life every single day and when I get here Sunday I just can't hold it anymore I can't contain it anymore I got to throw my hands up my head back and let my ram's horn of praise of my mouth worship the only living God of heaven and you better do the same thing no excuse and some of you this is a whole sermon on its own maybe but have you given up on day three of the march God said seven days to march some of us of the Jericho in our life, you have a great service like this, you hear a nice message, you feel charged up, you feel, yeah, let's go take the Jericho. And by Tuesday of this week, you're ready to quit. That's it, I tried. 
I prayed. I marched around the city. I did all the stuff Brian said to do. It just didn't work. God didn't say, if you don't feel like it on day three, guys, it's okay. I love you. I'm a God of grace, so just give up. Nope. Six days. And on the seventh day, you're not going to do it once, but seven times. And then you're going to blow and the horn, and then you're going to shout praise. You're going to shout victory. They weren't just shouting some random noise like you see in the movies, like on Braveheart or something. They weren't shouting crazy things. They were shouting, thank you God for the victory. Thank you God for giving us Jericho. Our God Yahweh is the only living God of heaven and it's by his name and in his power we have victory. And the walls fell down and they took the city that stood in their way of Jericho. Don't give up on day three. The main thing for today's message the only way to win the battle is through worship. That's it. The only way you're going to have victory. You can call up your aunt and your uncle and have them pray. And we encourage you to do that. We believe in intercessory prayer. But don't expect them to march when on day two you quit. Don't expect them to be marching for you when all you're doing is talking instead of worshiping. No. The only way you're going to have victory is through praise and through worship. No other shortcuts. Well, if I could just jump from this day to day seven, things would be great. No. You got to march. You got to praise. The only way to win the battle is through worship. Well, there's a lot of ways I'd love to end today. I'd really love to end by just uh, standing and shouting and giving God praise, and we'll do that in a few moments. But uh, I want someone who uh, this week and the last several weeks has, has proven this passage true is Ann Harder. She had surgery, uh, knee replacement surgery a few weeks ago. And I want her to come. And if you're not excited when you hear her testimony, we're going to check you for your pulse and, and put a toe tag on you when you leave here, okay? Because I'm telling you, she gets you fired. I was fired up. But Ann, why don't you come and give us the testimony of how God has healed you in this surgery? My journey started years ago. And I needed a knee replacement. I was a gymnast, and I beat up my knees doing floor exercise on wooden floors, among other things. But two years ago, God directs my footsteps, and he led me to call Brett Paraselli. Brett Paraselli has several brothers. They're all in finance. He is a surgeon. He's an orthopedic surgeon. And I know that I know that God has called him to be an orthopedic surgeon. Um, I met with him two years ago, and he wanted to do the knee replacement, and I said, I watch my grandbaby every day. I said, and he has a child the same age as my grandbaby. And he says, Ann, you cannot have this done and have Michael come, and you're going to have to, you know, either make the decision to put him in daycare or whatever and I said I'll tell you what I said when your baby goes to kindergarten and my baby goes to kindergarten and he's in full day school I'll come in and we'll arrange the surgery so in April I was over at my endocrinologist across the hall and I went over and I scheduled my own surgery for August 27th and I made an appointment for July 11th to see Dr. Paraselli so I went in and uh, he said, okay, uh, you've scheduled this. We'll do it August 27th. He said, uh, let's do this thing. And I said, well, good, let's do this thing. 
I said, uh, you know, I'm not overweight and I'm in good health and I should just bounce right back. And he said, Ann, you're a diabetic. It's going to take you twice as long to heal as it will take anybody else. So just get that behind you and realize that it's going to take you quite a long time to heal. So two weeks ago today, I was in church, and I came forward, and I talked to Brian, and he said, you know, I said to him, I said, I do not have time for this. I said, I'm very busy. I said, and what I want the Lord to do for me is I would like for him to minimize the pain, and I would like him to give me a recovery that is so fast that nobody can deny that it's God who did it. So Thursday, 10 days ago, um, God not only did what I asked, but I had, I, I had my son 35 years ago, almost 36 years ago. I have never had a major surgery. I have never stayed in the hospital, ever. And I should have had fear creep in. I had no fear. I kissed my husband goodbye in the driveway of the hospital. I said, bring my bag after you get off work tonight. I should be up in my room. Have a great day. I walked into outpatient surgery. And uh, Diana Ferrante, who hasn't been here in a while, she has been seeking God because she wanted to be there for me. And she's had problems with her leg and with her knees and with her heart and with medications and with nausea. And God raised her up that day. I walked into outpatient surgery and Diana was there. So they took me back and they did the IV and all that stuff and brought Diana back. And we talked and I got to minister to her for a while. And then she prayed with me. Um, I should mention, when I say that Dr. Paracelis called, um, he called me the night before I was due to go in, said, do you have any questions? Uh, how are you doing? He came in while I was waiting to go to pre-op and said, how are you doing? I said, well, you know what? I said, I've been eating since yesterday. An Applebee's commercial just came on. I said, I'm hungry. I said, can we just do this? I need to eat. He said, Ann, do you realize you're having major surgery? I said, yeah, I realize it, but I'm hungry. He said, okay, I'll see you in there. So, you know, everybody God put in my path was ordered by him. I have a very big fear of needles, even though I'm diabetic, and I didn't feel the IV go in. The anesthetist nurse, she told me everything that was going to happen. She said, I'm going to give you something to relax you, and then we're going to go into pre-op, and there'll be a surgery bed in there, and there'll be this bed in there, and I'm going to sit you up and lean you into me, and Dr. Bull is going to give you your spinal. They gave me a spinal, not a general, so I would come out of it sooner. So I woke up in between the operating room and post-op, and I said, when can I go up to my room? <laughs> So I went up to my room about 6 o'clock and I had a meal and Brent came in with the bag I packed and he visited for a half hour and 
Then he went home, and in the morning, Dr. Paraselli came in, and I said, well, you know, I'm going home today, right? And he says, well, we're going to have to see how you do with two sessions of physical therapy and occupational therapy. And I said, okay, but I am going home. And he said, okay. So uh, at 6 o'clock, I went home. And uh, Saturday morning, Dr. Paraselli called, how are you doing? And I said, you know what? You know, I really don't need this walker. I really don't even need a cane. He said, Ann, people are on the walker for minimum of a week and a couple weeks usually. Use the walker. So Monday, the physical therapist came to the house along with the nurse. And the physical therapist, when I did my exercises, said, Ann, put the walker away. You don't need that walker. I said, okay, great. <laughs> so I grabbed the cane. And Wednesday, the physical therapist came again. And I kept forgetting to put the cane down. I was walking without the cane. She says, Ann, put the cane away. I said, oh, good. So she said, you know, you really are a miracle. And that was part of my prayer. Lord, let me recover it so quickly that no one can deny that it's you. It's not anybody else. It's your hand to your honor and to your glory. So I said to her, I says, tomorrow's Thursday. I said, my husband and I usually go out to dinner Thursday. Do you think it would be okay if we went out to dinner tomorrow? So Thursday night, we were out to dinner. And yesterday, we went out to breakfast. And then we did major grocery shopping at Giant Eagle. And I had asked Brian to cancel my grace groups for September because I really didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how long I'd be on a cane or whatever because, of course, the surgeon told me it was going to take me much longer to heal. But I am having grace groups for the rest of the month, by the way. And uh, I uh, see my surgeon on Friday. And that'll be the first time I've seen him since the surgery. But God has done an amazing miracle for me. He has done miracles in the past. But he really outdid himself. I believed that he would give me a quick recovery. I didn't think for a minute I would have no fear. I didn't think for a minute I'd be with, without a cane four days after and grocery shopping and out to dinner and driving to church. Uh, God is an awesome God. He led me to an amazing surgeon. He gave me a, a, an outstanding health care team. And he, he brought healing, and he brought it ten times quicker. And I give him all the praise and the glory. He is an awesome God. Amen. All right, you heard a sermon on it, now let's do it. Let's stand, no music, and let's just give God praise and thanks for what he's done in your life, what he's going to do six days from now or six months from now. Father, we thank you that you are a God that hears us when we pray. We thank you for the testimony that we just heard from Anne, how you healed her, Lord, that it, we know that it, we thank you for doctors, but God, it was your hand that touched her. It was your hand that healed her. 
Lord, we give you alone all honor and all glory that you are a healing God and you are a God that hears us when we pray. Lord, we thank you for the Jerichos in the past of our life that maybe have cobwebs on them that we forgot about how you miraculously came through. But oh God, let us not forget that you are the God that is in the middle of our life. You are a God that gives us victory. You are a God that goes before us and behind us. Lord, teach us, Father, that praise precedes your presence and your presence brings victory in our life. So Lord, we pray that whatever the Jericho is of this church this week and individuals this week, Lord, that they would for one hour every day for the next six days just give you praise. They would shut out the distractions. They would hush the, the negative voices. But Lord, they would focus on praise. They would focus on worship. They would focus on the Jerichos in the past of what you've done, how you've healed them, how you've saved them, where you brought them from, what you're doing now, and the victory that is coming very soon. Lord, that you would raise up an army of God to be like like this Israelite army, an army of faith, an army that is obedient to your word, an army full of praise. Father, we may not have trumpets and, and ram's horns, but we have better than that, our own mouth. And as David still let our heart and our mouth be continually giving full praise to you. Lord, let, we would truly make the angels jealous of our worship because of what you've done in our life. You are a miracle working God. You are the healer. You are the one that sets us free. You are the one that restores us and brings us together. There is no God like you. And Father, while others may not want to march, we are going to every day. While other people in the Jericho of our life may mock us and make fun, we are going to march. We're going to turn out the negativity and focus on the praise and focus on the worship. We thank you for victory that is coming. We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do and how the walls of the Jericho of our life and of this church will fall when we give praise to you, Lord. There's no victory without praise. And God, we thank you. We give all honor and glory to our miracle working God. We thank you Father for what you've done, what you're doing now and the walls that are going to fall in the Jericho of our life. Father we thank you. We are truly nothing without you. May we go this week and enjoy and celebrate the victory over the Jericho even before it happens. May it might be six months away or six days away but we give you praise today for the walls falling in the Jericho of our life. We give you all honor and all glory today for what we believe you're going to do in our life. We thank you. Lord we love you and we bless you and we are nothing without you. Thank you Father. Now, Lord, we ask that you would bless every person that is here today. May you protect them and keep them safe as they travel, as they come in and go out. All that they put their hands to, may your favor rest upon them. May you bless them. May you bless them in their homes, Lord, with a greater hunger for your presence, that the praise of the Holy Spirit would fill their homes, Lord, that the neighbors would even notice there's something different about their home, that when visitors come into their home, they could sense the sweetness of the presence of God. Father, may you give them favor at their jobs this week to boldly, stand up and stand out for you and not compromise. Lord, we thank you for the victory that you've given us in the past and the victory that you're going to give us. Lord, let this church be a biblically healthy, fruit-producing church that changes lives in our families, in our communities, and our jobs, Lord. That we would boldly stand up and stand out for you. Let this church be a church of praise. Let this church be a church of worship. Teach us to worship. Teach us to praise a little longer, to worship a little deeper, to not just quit or give up, but praise and until the walls fall down. Let us be hungry, God, for more of you and never be satisfied with just a Sunday morning routine as usual. 
Father, that we pray that you would bless us with more of a hunger for you. Bless us with a hunger for discipleship, to hunger after your word and to grow deeper into mature Christianity that honors you. Bless us, Lord, with a hunger to reach the lost, to not just be satisfied in our life, but have a passion to reach the lost, we pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we are nothing without you. And we give this week to you. Teach us to march and to praise and to worship every day this week. And we thank you for the victory that you're going to give us. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we're nothing without you. We give this week and this day to you. Thank you that you are the God of victory. In Jesus' victorious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we love you. Have a blessed week. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.